0: Campaign advisor James Carville famously said during Bill Clinton's campaign, it's the economy, stupid. Are you paying attention yet? TNN is. We're the Truth News Network. And your master of talking straight is Dan Newman. So while you were doing what you do on weekends to relax and enjoy your family, those are good things. I want everybody to be able to do that, including me, by the way. But we were watching and digging and looking because I wanted to make sure when we got together today, we had some factual information to give you about the unfactual information. Is that a word? Unfactual information? (laughs) It's a conundrum. Anyway, you tried to put that together. Anyway, we watched, we saw, we listened, and we have a lot of things to dig into here today. On this show, you're going to hear the latest from the president, Joe Biden. You'll even hear a little bit about Secretary of State Antony Blinken. We're not going to have Antony on this show, but he is a globe hopper. He has been over there five times now since October 7th. He's been in the Middle East, all over the Middle East. And he is up to uh, trying to cool people off and reach agreement and he's trying to sell a White House lie. Let me tell you something else you're going to hear about. You're going to hear this in just a few minutes at the top of the show. I want to give everybody a few minutes to log on because I don't want any of you to miss it. Palestine. Palestine, the Palestinian people. We hear it every single day, over and over. We've heard it for generations, over and over. The two-state solution that everybody is demanding over there, they don't want a two-state solution. They want Israel gone. We're going to break into the facts of that very thing. Let me ask you a question. We're going to listen to a little of Bill Withers in a second, but while you're doing that, think through. Has there ever been a nation on the globe named Palestine? Maybe even a nation that, had another name that they flipped it, changed the title, the name of the country to Palestine. I'm not going to give you an answer now, not just giving you an answer at the top of the show here in a few minutes, but going to give you evidence. Wow, we don't get that much today in mainstream media, do we? Well, okay. It's Monday, you gotta get started. You don't want to go crazy, but you gotta get started. It's gonna be lovely today.
1: When I wake up in the morning, love And the sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning, love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's all right with me Just one look at you And I know it's gonna be Of faith, when someone else instead of me always seems to know the way, then I. Look
0: Early '80s, he just had a unique style, and I like that kind of music. That's one of my favorite. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. I hope you had a really good weekend. Hey, just a moment ago, I, I I've told you this before. We have a way to monitor where people are listening live from. Now we don't know who they are, but we have a computer IP address, which doesn't help me. I don't know what the heck those things mean. But out beside it, it has a, 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 st- a state, a town, or city. And if you're overseas, it has the country name and the city name. It's interesting. This morning, we have people listening in Pakistan. I want to say hello to all of you fellow TNN Live supporters. We're glad to have you anytime. We're glad when any of you come to this show live. It means a lot for several reasons. Number one, we love to have you along. Number two, we see that this is not quite like just going and finding a podcast at any random time during the day. You can go to podcast sites. In fact, this one, minutes after the live show goes off, it goes up on a bunch, over 35 different podcast hosting sites. This is a commitment. I mean, we have people, thousands, that are logged in the second we go live, starting one of Pete Moss's introductions at 9 a.m. Central Time. Thank you for doing that. It's a good way to find out at least a perspective that's not so politically tainted as what you get elsewhere. I'm being kind when I say tainted. (laughs) There's very little coming from the left, especially today, that is just tainted now we have a big show as you probably heard during the weekend they got some more cold hard factual evidence that our president received Chinese money laundered money in his personal bank account we're going to get into that in fact we've got representative Ken Comer who's the head of that committee we'll let you hear him tell that story in a few minutes But before we get into all of that, and of course, a lot of news coming out of the Middle East, and I'm going to dispel some unfactual information that's been floating around the world for decades, and it's about the nation of Palestine. We're going to get into that in just a couple of minutes, but let's weigh in on Uncle Joe just to get started. You know, last week, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, we gave you their monthly jobs report And I noted last week that it seems like every time a new report comes out, they very quietly, kind of in a parenthesis, they lower the previous job support numbers that are supposedly representing new jobs created. They lower the one they gave to us last time. wonder why they do that. Well, you know, they want to make themselves look better than ever. They need to because things aren't better than ever. So the BLS, that's what they call it, the economies, uh, econom- economics call it, the Bureau of Labor Statistics. They're fast becoming a running joke around real economists that are in the know. So when their press releases and debunking headline claims in sports Indeed, facts always come out. The very letters BLS has become a punchline, like uh, CDC and MRNA. Why is this? It's because mainstream media repeat every ridiculous lie allowing bureaucrats to control the content of the news cycle. It takes competent observers, people that are in the know, at least until the afternoon to ferret out the truth. And by then, most everybody's gone to work or getting their weekend started. Bad news gets buried. Biden administration survives another day. So the latest release from last week is another case that points us out. Following months of wildly distorted data releases and revising numbers in every case down, each one trumpets the fake good news and buries the ugly realities. As the Economic Times gets harder for you and me by the month, there's more to bury, more lies that are required to cover it all up. So here's the lead summary from the Bureau of of Labor Statistics, their report last week, quote, total non-farm payroll employment increased by 150,000 in October. Unemployment rate changed little, at 3.9%. Job gains occurred in healthcare, government, social assistance. Employment declined in manufacturing due to strike activity. Now the casual viewer or listener would say that that's pretty good, right? Maybe, but then you got to look at the details. The devil is in the details. Remember that. That didn't that phrase didn't just pop out of nowhere. It means something. You need only to head over to Table A in their report for a grim shock. It turns out the U.S. economy just axed 384,000 jobs in one month. That's from the BLS report Friday, but you got to go looking for it. That's the biggest one month loss since the lockdown in March 2020. How I that this didn't make it to the press release. (laughs) It adds further evidence of the proposition that many have been making, and I've been making myself here, and I'm not an economist, but I spend money. I buy gasoline, I buy groceries, just as all of you do. We're seeing it firsthand. We're not only already in recession, but we probably never truly recovered from the March 2020 recession. This economic trend line that they point to, it's not improving, but getting relentlessly worse. The real losses everywhere, they were all over the place, but the gains mostly restricted to government and medical industries. We're even seeing areas where there have been labor shortages, such as hospitality, starting to shed jobs. That's right, even bartenders and servers are losing out. Why? It's because the customers are starting to dry up because of high prices, growing household debt, credit card debt is out of the world. A general financial squeeze across the board is hitting every average person's bank account. In October, overall, Seven and a half thousand waiters and bartenders got kicked to the curb. Jobs gone. In other words, this month's report was truly terrible. It also points to much more terrible news just ahead for us. Notice the huge divergence between the establishment and the household survey. This is how they're hiding the data from us all. They like to report the establishment survey, but then they bury the much more accurate household survey. We've never seen such a difference between the two. It's evidence that the Biden administration is twisting arms over at the statistical agency. they got to make sure they make the news as good as they can, uh, just like China and the old Soviet Union do every month. If there's a piece of data subject to manipulation, you can bet they're going to manipulate it. What do we call that? We call that politics. We call that lying. Not only that, but we've also got yet another round of downward revisions and past data releases. I just told you. I reminded you of that. You want a few examples? Historical data was revised massively lower with the jobs change for August, revised down by 62,000 from 227,000 to 165,000. And the change for September was revised down by 39,000 from plus 336,000 to plus 297,000. So with those revisions, employment in August and September combined is 101,000 jobs lower than previously reported. How do you just make 101,000 mistakes in reporting data when you, one agency, is responsible for it every time? you think they'd kind of have the process straightened out, you know. In total, eight of the past eight months Have been revised sharply lower in what only idiots cannot see as clearly mandated political propaganda, and it's designed to make the economy look stronger at first glance, then quietly revise the growth away. It gets worse. It actually gets worse. Here's a story about one Uber driver, Uber driver, riding in the back of his car, talking, talk to him about his financial issues and what he thinks to service his loans and pay for his kids in college to have some kind of traveling home for holidays. He spends his weekends driving Uber. What does that say? He's never home to enjoy the house for which he's paying or spending time with the family. He's tasked with supporting the family, and to do that, he's got to work two jobs. Now, this is not all unusual here. As millions of people with full-time jobs are picking up part-time jobs on nights and weekends, many Americans have done that for years. We used to call that, hey, we got to work a little harder to get ahead. Remember those terms? I'm going to sacrifice a little bit now to get ahead. Multiple job holders just hit an all-time high. And that provides further opportunities for the disreputable Bureau of Labor Statistics to engage in double counting. And you know they have a label for that in the Biden administration. They call it job creation. <laughs> Even with all of this, we're seeing the labor participation late rate fall rather than go up that's a percentage of the population that is actually working it's still nowhere close to having recovered from the pre-lockdown highs that adds to evidence that we're in a plain old inflationary recession right now yes of course the unemployment rate remains low because it only measures those in the workforce who are formally out looking for a job and it takes no account of dropouts. However, we gain greater clarity by looking at the underemployment rate. It climbed up to 7.2%, the highest number since February of 2022. Thus far, this cycle, the labor markets are traditionally measured, have not responded as we might expect them in a quote unquote downturn, call it recession, whatever. Indeed, the recession would have already been declared at least a year ago, but for the labor markets, which has been the only bragging right the Biden administration has had. And the only way they can make it good is to manipulate the numbers. In the last four years, we've all learned a thing or two about how government likes to come up with these fancy data points to manipulate the public mind, For the most part, the economic reporting agencies have been spared the loss of trust, but that's only because it gets less attention than the nonsense about, for example, uh, COVID-19 and the death rate. That's that old story I've told you for years. When a politician is up there waving a right hand up in the air and screaming and hollering, you don't want to see what's in his right hand. That's not where the bad stuff is. Look behind him the other hand, he's got behind his back. The average American knows for sure today we're in a grim situation, falling opportunities, rising debt, declining real income, you know, the money you can spend, unending inflation, and a financial squeeze that is causing anxiety among vast numbers and sheer panic among many the more that Biden agencies and their media mouthpieces claim that this is what economic health looks like, the more they are discredited. Even, Even if the recession is never announced, it is no less real for you and me. Don't let anybody tell you, oh, our economy's rosy. Wall Street Journal last week, I just opened it up online when I was doing show prep, And they had a front page story in the financial section that said, hey, our economy is actually in really good shape and nobody wants to talk about the good things. I have no idea what the person that wrote that was smoking at the time that article was written. Whatever. A person lives in a different world than me and probably you guys. Probably you guys. So, let's get off that. It's over. It's behind us. We're dealing with it. We're not getting any help from Washington. We're not at all. We're not getting any help. We need changes that affect directly our economy, that impact us all in the same way. If you throw out percentages and don't throw out dollars and cents numbers, that's how you compare what's fair. If somebody out there makes and reports a million dollars income a year, I expect them to pay more taxes than somebody that makes $50,000 a year. Biden quit preaching what he preached when he was campaigning or he was talking to people. He never got out and campaigned. He didn't want to go out there, and his handlers didn't want him to go out there. And, of course, when he opened his mouth, when he did speak publicly in debates or anything— You could easily tell when he wasn't telling the truth. How do you know that? His lips were moving. Things are not good. And this administration's not doing anything to make them good. In fact, as Obama taught Joe Biden in their eight years tag team in the White House, you don't have to tell the truth. Tell them what you think they want to hear. They'll believe you. What a great way to lead, right? <laughs> Before we get into I've got some Middle Eastern news, important stuff that I want you to hear. We're gonna we're, we're gonna take plenty of time to get through what you may have missed the last couple of days and join your weekend, and I hope you did just that. Representative Comer, Republican from Kentucky, the guy that's in charge of this investigation of Joe Biden in the Biden. Um, impeachment inquiry. He came out with some more hard, cold facts over the weekend. Nobody's interviewing me here. I like this because he's speaking himself, and he's giving us facts, facts, evidence, facts. And there's big news coming out before the end of this week. But here's Representative Comer.
2: Remember when Joe Biden told the American people that his son didn't make any money in China?
3: My son has not made money in terms of this thing
2: about, uh, what are you talking about? China. Well, not only did he lie about his son Hunter making money in China, but it also turns out that $40,000 in laundered China money landed in Joe Biden's bank account in the form of a personal check. And the Oversight Committee has it. Here's how Joe Biden benefited from his family's shady deal with CEFC, a Chinese Communist Party-linked company. It all began with a shakedown in the summer of 2017, when Hunter Biden sent a message to his CEFC associate demanding a $10 million capital payment. As Hunter Biden extorted this associate, Hunter claimed he was sitting with his father and that the Biden network would turn on his associate if he didn't pony up the money. The extortion scheme worked, Days later, $5 million flowed in from a Chinese affiliate of CEFC. Over the following three weeks, Biden family members made a series of complicated financial transactions to hide the source of the China money. Here's how that happened. First, Northern International Capital, a Chinese company associated with CEFC, wired $5 million to Hudson West 3, a joint venture established by Hunter Biden and a CEFC associate. Then Hudson West 3 sent $400,000 to an entity owned and controlled by Hunter Biden. Next, Hunter Biden wired $150,000 to Lion Hall Group, a company owned by James and Sarah Biden. Sarah Biden then withdrew $50,000 in cash from Lion Hall Group. Later the same day, she deposited it into her and James Biden's personal checking account. A few days later, Sarah Biden cut a check to Joe Biden for $40,000. The memo line of the check said loan repayment. Like the payment to Joe from AmeriCorps funds, it's certainly plausible that this payment where James and Sarah used funds from China was indeed a loan payment to Joe. But even if this $40,000 check was a loan repayment from James Biden, it still shows how Joe benefited from his family cashing in on his name with money from China, no less. Without his family peddling his name and his son threatening a CEFC associate with consequences that he said Joe Biden knew about, James wouldn't have had the money to write the $40,000 check to his brother, Joe. It's also worth remembering that Biden family efforts to secure millions from this Chinese company began when Joe Biden was still vice president. In taking funds sourced to a CCP-linked company that wanted to advance China's interest, Joe Biden exposed himself to future blackmail and put America's interest behind his own desire for money. The House Oversight Committee will continue to follow the money and hold President Biden accountable for his corruption.
0: Over the weekend, Representative Comer went on several different shows and he made it very clear when asked, what is about to happen? We're getting tired of... Guess what we're going to do? We're going to investigate. We're going to prove President Biden was involved in this bribery uh, scheme. But we don't have any evidence. We have evidence now. Hard, cold, cash evidence. Now, is it sufficient to um, turn this into a full-blown impeachment process and put the president out there and string him up? I don't think that's what anybody wants to do, but what we've got to do is break this thing open and get the facts out there. How do we do that? I was told privately through the weekend, a couple of dozen subpoenas are going out maybe even as soon as today or tomorrow to Biden family members. They're going to be subpoenaed to come in and watch how the squirming will begin. And the defense will erupt from Democrats, especially Democrats over in the Senate. They're going to rally around Joe Biden. And the only thing they can do is denigrate anybody and everybody that's saying and initiating anything that must be proven in a subpoena and the evidence that comes forward. It's not like we have anything else that we have to deal with, right? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, great question for you today. I'm going to dig into that in just a second. I'm going to go ahead and start now. I'm sure you saw the pro-Palestinian protesters and swarms of people outside the White House that were chanting Islamist calls, Allah, Allahu. Akbar can't even say it. They were everywhere. Numerous of these protesters swarmed the outer perimeter of the White House fence. They began chanting on Saturday. The protesters, many of whom were donning Palestinian flags, yelled, Allahu Akbar, at least five times in unison as seen in footage. The protesters recently disembarked from Freedom Plaza, where a massive anti-Israel protest was held, for most of Saturday afternoon. That Ali Akbar translates from Arabic Arabic as God is great. So after having chanted the phrase numbers of times, the crowd shifted to a chant, raise your hand, make a fist, Palestine will resist. So those activists who converged on the White House fence had come from the earlier protest in Freedom Plaza, in which a crowd of tens of thousands protested against Israel's military operations targeting Hamas. And also, they're going after President Biden's support for Israel. Organizations including Code Pink, the National Students for Justice in Palestine, organized the protest. After the... Allah Akbar Channing, a masked man, climbed halfway up the White House fence, waved the Palestinian flag to the cheering and chanting of the crowd assembled just under him. So over at Freedom Plaza during the protest there, much of the crowd participated in chants from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And by the way, that is often interpreted to be an explicit call for the erasure of Israel and its people from the river to the sea what is that the distance what is that that's from the jordan river all the way over to the mediterranean sea they want what they want israel gone and they're saying oh we're just crying for a two state solution listen don't ever believe a single person that says that they either don't know what they're talking about from the river to the sea or they do know, and they just want to get everybody to chime in with them saying the same thing, and maybe other people won't realize that would require the death of every Israeli. Neither Code Pink nor the National Students for Justice in Palestine went public, didn't give any uh, press briefings or anything like that, so they left all this hanging out there. Meanwhile, Millions of people around the world are up in arms over this. Pro-Palestinian Indiana woman, one, tries some anti-Semitic attacks, crashes a car into a black Hebrew-Israelite school around the globe, marches rallying support for Hamas terrorists all over the globe. Countries with large Muslim populations, including ours, of course, France, Germany, Canada, the UK, expressing disillusionment with their governments for even thinking about supporting Israel. Another common theme from these pro-Palestinian protesters, obscure information about the Israelis held hostage. Footage gathered from around the world showing them ripping down posters, showing the names and faces of hostages. Some of the recent demonstrations and words and pictures were just absolutely frightening. We're not going to get into the nitty-gritty of all this stuff. You see it, you can watch it on television yourself. I tried hard to stay away if, from it over the weekend. You know, if you if you just obsess about this stuff and it's very important. It's critical that Americans understand exactly what's going on and who's doing what and why and the historical uh, perspective that goes along with it that we're not hearing from our our leaders. Case in point, Antony Blinken, Secretary of State, he went back over to the Middle East. He's been over there four times now since October 7th. Four times. Meeting with world leaders over there, people in these uh, Muslim nations, the leaders. And he flipped the narrative. Blinken, our Secretary of State, flip the narrative from what the President said from the very beginning. Well, when he decided to step forward and say anything, we support the Israeli people period. And then last Thursday, former President Barack Obama, we talked about it on the show Friday, he gets up and he goes after the Israeli nation. We've got to have a ceasefire. We've got to have a pause. This is inhumane what's going on. And then over the weekend, Joe Biden, we need a pause. We need a pause. We need to concentrate on getting those hostages out of there. Just look at the uh, international happening since Joe Biden's been in the White House as it pertains to the United States of America. Places like, oh, I don't know, Afghanistan. Afghanistan. We still have Americans hiding for their lives in Afghanistan that Joe Biden left there. And then we, you know, we paid $6 billion for five hostages to Iran. All that did was filled up the gas tank for Iran to go spend that money on whatever, anywhere they wanted to spend it. And, of course, Antony Blinken and Joe Biden are out there saying, oh, they can only spend that for humanity things, you know, like food and medicine and stuff like that. We have to approve it before it goes out. B.S. Oh, my gosh. Like, they're going to do the right thing. They're going to do exactly what they want to do. That's what they're doing today. Blinken went back to Israel for a short visit before he scooted over to Iraq. And uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu didn't meet with him. I heard he wouldn't meet with him. And when the, the prime minister was asked by someone in the media, what were his thoughts on what Blinken and president Biden are now saying, we want a ceasefire, call it whatever you want to. We call it a pause. We need to get those hostages out of there. Let me ask you, you're not in government. I, we may have some government people listening in now, but most of us are just everyday Americans. We see, we hear, we listen. These experts, which they are supposed to be, people like Joe Biden, Anthony Blinken, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, these are people that are, have been immersed in all of this, and they're supposed to be well-educated in everything. I'm going to ask you a question, and if Blinken was on the show, I'd ask him this same question. Are you so stupid that you would think those terrorists that slaughtered all those people and are still doing it. They have Americans in hostage. They've made it very clear. What are the facts and the details about all of that? If I was one of you, I'd float this balloon and see if they respond. What balloon would that be? Hey, You release our hostages. You release our hostages, and we'll give you a 24 hour break. I don't think Benjamin Netanyahu would agree with that. You know what he said when he was asked about what Blinken and Biden are saying now? He said it just like this Our position is no pause no ceasefire that would only benefit Hamas, give them a chance to retool. And he said this, his P.S. on this, our commitment is we will not stop until every member of Hamas is dead. I think that's pretty factual. So all this uproar around the world about the Palestinian people and how they're being brutalized and uh, of course Israel's trying to, and they are doing it, foisting genocide on all those people over there just because they responded to 1,400 innocent Israelis were slaughtered during the first night, October 7th, and everybody's mad because they want Israel to stop. That gives you a look-see into the kind of the people that are members of Hamas and many of their supporters. So I told you I've got some information, factual, historical information that will dispel a lot of this from the river to the sea and all of the chit-chat about the Palestinian people and they were deposed from their land, yada, yada, yada you can record this show we're going to take a two-minute break on the other side start the recorder i'm going to give you facts about palestine i love going all
4: natural it just makes me feel better Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the All-Natural Burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr.
2: So you guys grew up together? Yes, yeah, since third grade. are you looking at?
4: I'm not looking at it. We're not good enough know. for you. You look for something else? No, I don't know. What do you,
5: Is big it? supermodels? Who's oh, us? Supermodels? Oh, God, what do you model, gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me.
1: Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies. So, losers.
5: Stacy, relax. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers
3: satisfies. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to TV. Call one 800 directv tv
4: What are you doing?
1: Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light
4: He has an axe
1: But he has Bud Light
0: And an axe
5: I'm
1: sure there's a reason for it Hey buddy,
5: what's with the axe? It's a... Bottle
1: opener Hop in Refreshingly smooth Bud Light Always worth it Look, he has Bud Light Mm
5: -hmm. And a chainsaw Mm -hmm.
0: Monday, what comes after Monday? Tuesday, what happens every Tuesday here at TNN Live? Steve Baker, investigative journalist, will join us in hour number two. These are times that you want to make sure you get that Tuesday second hour if you don't get any other part of the show. Because Steve Baker is plugged into a part of our political world that I can't get the access he has. And he loves to come here because... He can't get access to part of the political world that we have to. So we throw it all together, and it's always informative. A lot of information that you haven't heard. Some of it we haven't yet totally confirmed, and we let you know that when we tell you. Here's information we're getting. We haven't been able to confirm it. We'll just tell you now. Here's what it says. And then when we absolutely confirm it or find out it's not true, we'll come back and tell you. But we just want you to know that's going on. Steve Baker, second hour tomorrow at TNN Live. Okay, if you're going to start the recording about this Palestine thing, start it now. And you can always come back and get this incidentally. Those who wrongly call themselves Palestinians... They claim there was a Palestinian nation that existed prior to the Israel of today. Well, there never was. There never was. And without a nation of Palestine, there can be no merit to Jewish invaders and European colonizers. A nation that does not exist cannot be invaded by anyone, nor can anything be colonized. Don't get upset with me. Listen all the way through this. Historical nations leave some remnant of themselves behind as proof that they existed. Maps that show borders as they were, currency unique to that nation, to name just the two of many types of remnants from what was. Nothing of a Palestinian nation that used to exist has ever been discovered. Not a single map discovered shows Palestine ever existed. No currency of any kind has ever been found. Nothing has ever proven the existence of what only exists in the minds of modern people. The reason nothing exists to prove there ever was a Palestinian nation is due to the fact there never has been a Palestinian nation in the history of the world. So, without a nation of the past to invade, there can be no invaders. No nation can send colonizers to a country that does not exist. Ancient Egypt has far more than pyramids to prove the ancient Egyptians lived. Nobody denies ancient Greece existed because of the evidence that survived history. Ancient Romans left their mark proving ancient Rome existed existed. Throughout the world, remnants of ancients have been discovered that predate Christianity. That includes ancient Israel, who still have the wall where their temple once stood. For there to be an Islamic state of Palestine, there's no need to go back all that far, relatively speaking to other nations that existed and left their mark. Islam's prophet Muhammad's time on earth ended in 632 A.D. Never left Arabia. For there to have been an Islamic nation called Palestine, there should be some evidence. It was not that long ago, relatively speaking, to ancient cultures like Egypt. The reason nothing has been found to support the belief that Palestine was a nation is because there's never been one. Without there being a nation of Palestine, there can be no Palestinians, as they're using the term today. What can be found in historical records, like the Balfour Agreement and the mandate for Palestine or references to the land called Palestine, a land, a region, never was a country. Those references are always in reference to Palestine being the ancient Jewish homeland, not Islamic. Historical evidence is required to support the claim of a nation that used to exist. Without that evidence, it falls under the realm of historical fiction rather than history. Facts matter, and history matters. So, conventional wisdom of people that are not biased by religion or race. Here's what it says. Palestine is a geographical region in Western Asia, situated in the Southern Levant. It's usually considered to include Israel and the state of Palestine, though there never has been a state of Palestine, but just the region. Some definitions include parts of northwestern Jordan. Other historical names for the region include Canaan, the Promised Land, the Land of Israel, or the Holy Land. The very first written records referring to Palestine emerged in the 12th century BCE 20th dynasty of Egypt, which used the term Peleset, for the neighboring people or land, not in a country, in a region. In the 8th century, the Assyrians referred to the region as Pilashtu or Pilastu in the Hellenistic period. Those names were carried over in Greek, appearing in the histories of Herodas as Palestine. In 6 AD, the Roman Empire, established a province over the area known as Judea. Then in the 132 time period, they formed that that into Syria-Palestine. In 390, during the Byzantine period, the region was split into the provinces of Palestina Prima and Palestina Secunda and Palestine Tertia, Following the Muslim conquest of the Levant in the 630s, the military district of Yun-Philistine was established. While Palestine's borders, the region, the borders have changed throughout history. It's generally comprised the southern portion of regions like Syria and the Levant. It also conceptually overlaps with several terms of Judeo-Christian tradition and including Canaan, the promised land, the land of Israel, and the holy land. Now, this may trouble you. It may trouble you. And if you can find credible historical documents that negate this, please send them to us. Send them to me. Dan at TruthNewsNet.org Dan at truthnewsnet.org well how did Israel get that land it's real simple World War II the British part of their empire was that region Palestine it was a region at the end of World War II 6 million Jews were slaughtered and I'm not going to argue with you about that I'm not at all it may not have been 6 million. It may have only been 3 million. But it may have been 8 million. Nevertheless, there was an extermination process that was initiated to kill the Jews. That's what Hitler existed for. The Brits gave that region, that region was given to the Jewish people, and in 1948, it became a nation. There never had been a nation of Israel before 1948. Now, if you just sit quiet for a moment and start thinking about the ramifications of that, if that's fact, well, if that's true, then this, 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 and this can't be true. What is the two-state solution? What is that supposed to reference? The West Bank. Do you know what the West Bank is? It's actually on the right side <laughs> of, of Israel. But it references the Jordan River. Now, in February of this year, I was baptized in the Jordan River in the West Bank. And west of that is obvious. That's the area between the West Bank of the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Ocean, sea, whatever you want to call it. There's a lot of history that confirms that. Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, over the weekend, he was asked after he had appeared before some media folks about what his thinking was as Joe Biden changed his story about the support of the Israeli people. And uh, Joe Biden changed his tune. And, of course, it was very obvious he did change both of those because of his old boss, Barack Obama, who came out on Thursday and called for a ceasefire, blamed Israel for genocide. Now, this, of course, is coming from the former president who has specifically very Muslim roots, that's historical fact. If he's a Muslim, I don't know. It's not my call, that's between him and his maker. But when something quacks and waddles, and this is not a racial comparison, don't start sending me ugly text and me- emails, it's just illustrating a fact. When overwhelming evidence proves over and over again something is something, then it pretty much is something. All that being said, this is not about a man. This is not about a few people. This is about an evil, horribly illegitimate group that actually have been living their lives. They have been taught this, that Jews do not have the right to live. And if anybody tells you they support a two-state setup, a two-state process, they're lying to you. How can you say that? Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, um, the jihadists, every one of them, they want every Jew wiped off the map. And now they're just going downstream and the Mullahs in Iran are coming out over the weekend and they're saying they want the same thing to happen to the United States. They want a one state. One state. They want it to be Palestine. And they know the only way that could ever happen is if they just take it because it's not going to be adjudicated to be something that belonged to the people of a state of Palestine because there never was one. one 37 truth 1-866-378-7884 if you want to weigh in on that. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to go back to Thursday and Barack Obama will talk about What he actually said and the fallout from that. So it's a busy news day. Don't go anywhere.
3: Ladies, we ask your forgiveness. Please forgive our immaturity, our outbursts of tacky compliments. Forgive our browser history. Forgive our hormones taking control of us. Forgive us for thinking an open shirt is the ultimate weapon of appeal. Forgive us for opening our beers like primates. Forgive for taking a no as a yes, for insisting on playing a guitar that doesn't exist. And please forgive us for never washing our hands ever. Schneider, the beer with the exact maturity the man who's in the process.
0: Cars all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but...
4: Shouldn't there be more back and forth?
0: You missed the drama, right?
4: Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. <coughs> it's a
6: puppy. Not a puppy. A wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother.
1: Put the wolf down. That's
6: good. Yeah, we're
4: good.
1: Okay. Yep. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't.
5: And she uses it in
1: public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower.
5: Got it. Here she comes.
3: Hey, snuggle my- What are you doing, snuggle. Snuggle. snuggle-
5: I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky.
6: There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve.
0: Northern Tool and Equipment. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. TruthNewsNet.org. Dan Newman. Now this next section, I want you to put it in perspective, factually, not emotionally, factually. President Obama called for Israel to end its occupation of Palestine. There you go. An insinuation based on nothing factual. That phrase, to believe it, you must feel that Palestine was a country, and Israel invaded a sovereign country. Well, that's what Hamas did. October 7th, in the middle of the night, slaughtered 1,400 people for no reason. Well, they had a reason, but it had nothing to do with what's right or what was legal or illegal, did it? Barama called for Israel to end its occupation of Palestine and for a two-state solution between Israelis and Palestinians as the conflict in the Gaza Strip escalates. Now, he was talking to the Obama Foundation's Democracy Forum when he stated these things. He said the conflict was triggered by the brutal murder of more than 1,400 mostly civilian Israelis, many of them children, at the hands of Hamas, as well as the abduction of over 200 hostages. Obama said that was followed by, quote, an Israeli response that has so far resulted in the displacement of well over a million people, the deaths of at least 9,000 Palestinian civilians, thousands of them also children, and Israel has cut off water, food, electricity to a captive population that risks creating an ever even greater humanitarian crisis. Now that sounds very presidential, right? Well, who's given him those numbers? Israel has previously pushed back on these claims before he even said them. They said that 90% of drinking water is self-sourced from Gaza. In other words, it's held and operated and spread across Gaza by Gaza. 10% is all that comes from three water lines from Israel. And by the way, one of the three was damaged by Hamas October 7th, two of which have been opened by Israel and have been flowing 28.5 million liters of water every day. Also, they state that Hamas, during its initial attack, destroyed nine of the ten power lines that go from Israel into the area under their control. In other words, pretty much the stuff Obama was griping about, blaming Israel for it was a bunch of stupid actions taken by Hamas terrorists. The Hamas-run health ministry said that as of yesterday, more than 9,700 Palestinians have been killed in Gaza. However, Western officials, including Obama's former running mate, President Joe Biden, have expressed doubts about the death toll given by Hamas. Furthermore, Hamas, every time they give official death numbers, they include civilians and military people that die. Obama then said, we got to come up with a plan to solve the current crisis, quote, one that is based on genuine security for Israel, a recognition of its right to exist, and a peace that is based on the end of the occupation and the creation of a viable state and self-determination for the Palestinian people. He acknowledged it's hard to feel hopeful, but said ultimately people who disagree in the United States want the same outcome, an end to the killing a peaceful coexistence between two sovereign and free peoples. Gaza has been independent from Israel since listen to this they're not out there in these in these big riots and meetings talking about Israel doing anything good Israel withdrew from Gaza in 2005 in other words they turned the whole 25 miles strip of Gaza over to the Palestinian people that doesn't seem much to you. Do you know what was along the border of the Mediterranean Sea on that 25-mile swath of land? All kinds of tourism, all kinds of hotels. It was an amazing place to go. It was one of the hot tourist spots in that part of the world. Well, what happened? Israel gave that 25-mile strip to the Palestinian people, and there was an understanding. In fact, the Palestinian whatever the structure was called at that particular time, they said, we're going to structure this, we're going to govern ourselves. And then what happened? They have a free and fair election, we were told, right? Who won the election? Hamas. They took over and they begin to do what Hamas does. A two-state solution appears very unlikely there. As Palestinian leadership has rejected Israel's offer for an independent state on multiple occasions, 72% of Palestinians say they don't support a two-state solution. Obama's comments came as progressive groups across our nation are demanding a ceasefire in the region. That proposal also seems unlikely as Benjamin Netanyahu, Israeli prime minister, said Friday his country will not consider a ceasefire until Hamas frees all hostages. Now, let me ask you this. Isn't that a reasonable request for a deal? Put it in the context of what happened. <laughs> Israel gave them Gaza. They destroyed Gaza by bringing Hamas in. They began the Israelis, once again, had to find a way to protect themselves from their quote-unquote enemies that they had just given a 25-mile stretch of Mediterranean sea front property and said, you guys govern yourself, and they bring in a bunch of terrorists. And then the terrorists take over, and everyone I talk to that knows the area well, our guide that was with us for 10 days back in February, who is a member of the Israeli intelligence, he told us those are the hardest people on earth. They do not care about human life. I'm talking about Hamas. And of course, the evidence is there, all the evidence, the real stuff that we hear. And then everybody on the left, oh, that's not true, none of that happened. I've got video after video, of the most horrible actions that have happened to the least guilty, the most innocent among all of us on earth, our kids. There is no way to justify that. And then, you know, Israel, look what they did. They're committing genocide. For two weeks, two freaking weeks, Israel over and over, they dropped leaflets. They put it on the news. We're going to eliminate Hamas in Gaza. We're never going to stop until every member of Hamas is dead. Now, if they were so horrible, wouldn't they just have done what Hamas did October 7th in the wee hours of the morning? Just gone through there and slaughtered 1,400 Palestinians in Gaza? Israel gave them two and a half weeks. We're going to invade Gaza. You need to leave. You need to get out of the northern part of Gaza because we're going in there. We're going to take on and eliminate Hamas. And then the final thing on this. It's none of our business what foreign countries do. What right do we have to impede and try to give orders to any sovereign country on the planet well we give all we give them all money yeah joe biden one of the first things he did was give hamas the palestinian people he said 400 million dollars i'm sure that's in the bank they've got all that money to feed their their people with right no he turned it into weaponry and bullets Let me tell you, there's one thing we all need to do. And we need to start it now if we haven't already been doing it. We need to pray for all of the humans that are caught in this. I'm talking about people that did not make a decision or a choice. They just woke up. They were born. They couldn't control where they were living. And they're caught up in the middle of this. God protect Those people, the Palestinians, the Israelis, protect those people. And God, do for Israel what you have done throughout the history for your people. Protect them. Give them wisdom. Oh, my gosh. Blinken, I told you he went over there. He made an unannounced trip to the West Bank trying to negotiate humanitarian pause. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. The United Nations called for an immediate ceasefire in Israel's war against Hamas. We need an immediate humanitarian ceasefire. It's been 30 days. Enough is enough. This must stop now. That's the U.N., who, again, they have no right to call on any nation to do something or not to do it. Israel, by the way, is a sovereign nation. Palestine is not. United Nations and civil society leaders call for more aid to be allowed into Gaza. The immediate release of hostages and respect for humanitarian and human rights law, it added. Those people just make me want to spit when I think that we have poured billions, probably trillion or two, into United Nations, and they hate us. The only reason they want the United States in the United Nations is for money. And this president, this administration, Antony Blinken, top to bottom, they're all in. Have you figured out anything about the difference in the people? The Palestinian people, Hamas, Hezbollah, have you figured any of that out? Victor Davis Hansen. he had a good explanation for it. In case you're wondering who it is, he's a member of the, uh, the Hoover Foundation. He's a very, very educated man, and he is a geopolitician uh, genius as far as I'm concerned. He objectively, very objectively, told us who Hamas really is.
7: All right. So Hamas calls for a day of rage, and March is followed by heightened security across the globe. That followed quickly. Where is all of this headed? Victor Davis Hanson is a senior fellow at the Hoover Institution. He joins us now to answer. Victor, you're always great at putting this into perspective. Where are we headed?
3: Well, I think Israel was at the height of its prosperity, security. It's a model of a humane, successful society. And there were all these centrifugal forces around it. People said, if you just hire Gazans and bring them into your uh, workforce every day, they will see how magnanimous you are. And they'll interpret that in reciprocal. They will, they will appreciate it. You'll help the economy. And they said, if you're going to have the Abraham Accords renewed, it's going to be a new day. And don't worry about the Iran deal. We'll, uh, we'll negotiate. And we have Robert Malley working on it. And we're going to bring uh, aid back to Hamas and that was all fine and good the pressures that Israel was under but as you said they didn't read the charter of Hamas and Hamas has never said that they were interested in any type of deal with Israel much less they've even said they don't even want to build a model state in Gaza even though they've had millions of dollars infused from the Europeans the Americans the UN they're not interested in that just read what they say they want to destroy Israel and Israel has no margin of error well, so when you pressure it and pressure it, and they feel that maybe just maybe just at this moment, finally at the apex of our success, we can be magnanimous and we can live, and then and then it can't happen. Not until Hamas is gone because it has an, it's an existential threat. They want to destroy it, and what's very scary is we in the United States think if you have a Ph.D. or an M.A. or a J.D. and you have a university billet or you're the head of a foundation, you drive an M.B. MVW, Emmett, Mercedes, you name it, that somehow you're sophisticated. And when you, you say that you're for Hamas or Ma, Israel's apartheid, so there's no connection with the violence. You wouldn't, But you're advocating violence. They are advocating. When they say they want, want to destroy Israel, here in the United States, he's sophisticated. They do. And they're complicit with it. And when you see people beheaded and dismembered and their bodies mutilated and necklaced, and then you have these refined intellectuals saying that this was great, that's that's what they're saying. And we all say, well, they don't really mean that. They're just saying, that give the Palestinians a state. Well, Hamas doesn't want one. Gaza doesn't want one. So even where I work at Stanford University, we had a professor who was just suspended because she was centering on Palestinian Jewish students and trying to ostracize them in her own class. It's insidious, and they get away with it. And I think what's needed is Israel's gonna have to say, we're not at the end of history, and, and don't pressure us. We're a humane society. We have nothing to apologize for, and we're gonna take care of Hamas. And we, we, don't want, we didn't ask for it. You, you pressured us, we tried the therapeutic route, and now we're gonna go through the tragic route, that they wanna destroy us, and we're not gonna let them do it. And when we, we, all of us in the United States have to say, every time you get up and you support Hamas, you're supporting murder, and we don't care what your title is, how much money you have what the coat and tie and the suit you wear. That's what you're doing. You're no different than the people who go across and butcher civilians in a time of peace at a holiday. So we've got to change the entire dynamic and we've got to stop telling Israel what Israel has to do because if anything goes wrong, we don't suffer. They do. And. Anybody who read Hamas's charter, anybody listened to Robert Malley, or Iran point man and said what he said about Hamas and Hezbollah the last few years, anybody that takes the words of Anthony Blinken when he says that Iran may not have any uh, connection with this terror or that we should have a ceasefire all of that has to be put in the proper context. So that is partly responsible to what we're watching. So let's just lay off Israel and don't tell it what to do when it's suffered 12,000 right. deaths in a pre-modern, pre-civilization fashion, will that we haven't seen in our lifetime. We've seen nothing like this. It's just pure hate. And if they have their chance, they would do it to every Jewish citizen of Israel. Pure savagery. And I'm getting so tired of these modern intellectuals, intelligentsia, that think that because they're refined, they can, they can endorse barbarism and nobody will call them out on it.
7: Victor, you mentioned that outlandish story out of Stanford. We're going to be talking more about that in just a moment. We appreciate you being with us tonight. Hey, Sean Hannity here. Hey,
6: click here to subscribe to Fox News' YouTube page and catch our hottest interviews and most compelling analysis. You will not get it anywhere else.
0: Sorry about that uh, Sean Hannity uh, commercial. We didn't get it edited out, obviously. So if you heard about the latest stuff the United States has sent over to the Middle East, We have sent a guided missile submarine, a nuclear submarine, to the Middle East after Iran warned us we would be hit hard if Washington didn't push for a ceasefire in Gaza. So in a rare announcement, the Pentagon posted an image of the Ohio-class submarine, which can fire Tomahawk cruise missiles in the Suez Canal just northeast of Cairo, Egypt. The U.S. has ramped up its military presence over there since this onslaught of the Israeli people on October the 7th. Two aircraft carriers, including the world's largest, the USS Gerald Ford, have been sent to the Eastern Med along with scores of planes that could carry out airstrikes. Now the submarine, which can carry 154 Tomahawk missiles, each holding a up to 1,000 pounds of explosives in their warheads have been moved with tensions at a boiling point. An image, a picture was posted by U.S. Central Command as Iran's Minister of Defense urged the Biden administration to push for a ceasefire and he accused the U.S. of being militarily involved in the Israel-Hamas war. Yeah, this is Iran. They're the proxy funders of Hamas and Hezbollah. So we're uh we're doing what we need to do on a defensive basis for our partners over there, while Iran is funding the terrorist against Israel. And they want us to quit. Do a f- ceasefire. Meanwhile, Anthony Blinken stepped up his diplomacy. He toured the Middle East again. He went to Ankara, Turkey yesterday, held talks with Turkey's um, prime minister on Monday, this morning early, followed by meetings of delegations. His shuttle diplomacy came as Israeli troops surrounded Gaza City, cut off the northern part of the besieged Hamas-ruled territory, with troops expected to enter the city probably sometime tomorrow and likely to face militants fighting street by street, using a vast network of tunnels. Blinken, great wisdom, Secretary of State. He knows it all. Today, he said, he's talking about this morning, our time. Today I will meet with Turkish government leaders as we seek to prevent the spread of the conflict in Gaza and find ways to increase the flow of humanitarian assistance. The meeting between Blinken and and this leader in Turkey lasted two and a half hours. Secretary of State added that Washington is working very aggressively to substantially expand the amount of aid reaching trapped civilians in Gaza. We have made good progress in recent days on expanding the aid getting into Gaza, Blinken said following the talks, adding that a pause in fighting could help that as well. Now, I'm not a military expert. I'm not a foreign policy expert. But when you have a group of well-funded, entrenched terrorists, and you're trying to deal with them and get them taken care of not to kill any more people, they have at least a couple of hundred hostages being held. Wouldn't we get in some position of leadership to make things happen, the right things happen. Has not that been done by former presidents, former secretaries of state in the United States for aggressive actions taken by people on some of our allies around the world? Yeah, that happens all the time. And we always help. And almost every time, at least up until this time, we were able to be successful to take care of a bunch of bad potential things that never got to be bad potential things. You remember when Donald Trump came to the presidency and there was all this craziness going on over there in Afghanistan because ISIS had moved a bunch of their people there after the second Iraq conflict or war, whatever you want to call it. And they were sneaking out. They were living in the mountains right on the edge of Pakistan and Afghanistan. And they were initiating isolated attacks against a bunch of free people, including people in our military bases over there. Now, what would Blinken, what would he have done? Or what would Secretary Lloyd Austin done? Or what would Joe Biden had done in that? Oh, they would have gotten up in front of television cameras and said, we're working close with them. We're trying to find a way for peace, yada, yada, yada. What did Trump do? First time anybody in America had heard the term Moab. He set a Moab loose in those caves of those Islamist terrorists and destroyed them all. And all those military incursions that had been happening on isolated basis they stopped. When Joe Biden pulled our military and all of the support for that part of the region out just suddenly, refused to accept, in fact, denied there ever was one given a plan from the Trump administration to exit. I had it. We published it. A lot of news media had the plan to pull out of Afghanistan. Antony Blinken said, I never saw it. He's the Secretary of State. You don't think he would have seen a plan for us to withdraw our military that impacted tens of thousands of Americans? We had been over there for so long, we had formed huge numbers of relationships to get people, Afghanistani people in large part, to work with us. And by them working with us, they put their lives on the line because those jihadists over there don't like people that work with the Americans. They all disavowed all this. Nobody would accept responsibility. Joe Biden wouldn't accept it. And they brought out a thousand people with them Civilians, they tell us, and we know now there were dozens of terrorists that numbered among them. We brought them over here. We don't have a clue where they are. And then lo and behold, we've got a massive conflict underway between some of those same people, some of the sects of those same people, maybe a different version of ISIS, but still the same sex. ISIS is ISIS. You may have some different groups or whatever, but they're all committed to destroy Israel and to destroy the United States. So Blinken goes over there and he meets with the Turkish leader. They got nothing done. The whole purpose of his going over there was to reaffirm the Barack Obama slash Joe Biden slash ceasefire slash Pause. Now, Turkey, this is a really strange situation. Turkey's a fellow member of NATO. Now, what is the founding holy grail of being a NATO member? If you're a nation that is part of NATO and somebody attacks you by obligation Every other member of NATO has got to join you in your defense against whoever it was that created an incursion of some kind into your country. That's a really big deal. Turkey is one of the leading hideaways for terrorists, Islamic jihadists. Erdogan, their leader, he once claimed that he was the number one person in ISIS. (laughs) Now, who do you think, if it gets to a bigger conflict that spreads bigger and wider, who do you think he's going to side with? We have no effective leadership in this government in the United States. And every leader of every evil nation on this earth knows it and knows this is the time for them to take their action. As long as Joe Biden is president, Anthony Blinken is secretary of state, Lloyd Austin, secretary of defense, they know they can get away with pretty much anything. One jihadist, just kind of in an off Offhanded response to a, uh, a, a a media, a reporter's question, why did y'all take all the hostages? And I'm paraphrasing it, but this is what was said. I was asking one of the Hamas people, why did you take all those hostages? And the guy looked at him and says, because y'all pay a lot of money for us to let them loose. That's what they think about. Our leadership here. <laughs> it's not funny, folks. But just remember this yesterday marked the one year mark. We will be in the voting booth next November trying to pick who we think would best serve the American people. And even if Joe Biden runs, I don't think he'll win. And why do I think he won't win? Because he's not the guy that the American people think can protect us and get us out of this. And the default person with all the garbage and stuff that's going on that has been thrown at him by his political opponent in this race, Donald Trump, he's the one that most Americans, large number, percentages of American people, think he could get us out of this mess that we're in. We just got to pray that we can get through this next year without being destroyed from within and from outside because of all the things Biden has done, bringing people here that we don't have any idea who they are, millions coming across our southern border, we certainly don't have any idea who they are. You tie all those things together, we could be in big, big trouble.
2: Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer, Imodesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto & Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts and Modesto Auto & Truck Parts. 924 G Street in downtown Modesto. 529-8342. 529-8342.
3: It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom. Close Encounters of the Third
6: bathroom a river runs through the bathroom
2: for someone suffering with sucrose intolerance a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom if you're experiencing chronic diarrhea gas stomach pain and bloating remember sucrose intolerance or csid can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test visit sucroseintolerance.com.
4: for over 75 years people have saved money with uh, with
2: yeah sorry here we go from the top and action
4: for over 75 years, people have saved money with gecko. So Cut it.
2: I'm, what? What did I say? Gecko. I said gecko. Oh.
4: For over 75 years... <laughs>
2: Keep it together. I'm good. I'm good.
4: <clears throat> for over 70- 75... <laughs> what are you doing there? Stop making me laugh.
6: Geico. Saving people money for over 75 years.
4: <laughs> don't look at me. Don't look at me.
7: Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker, it's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's Quality Guarantee, signed by the man himself. Love your pizza or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee, better ingredients, better pizza, Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online.
0: You know, we've been talking about uh, Joe Biden, his policies, things that he has very, very wishy washy ideas on. He'll say, here's what I think. And then the next day, he'll forget that he said the exact opposite and says this. Everybody's picking up on that. And voters are scared to death. I don't believe fear begats really good decisions either. It's tough for people to have all these questions and they need some straight answers from which they can make some choices, figure out what they need to do. And our economy is in the tank. It has been in the tank. We are in recession by the real definition of what recession is, and we have been since the spring of Joe Biden's election year. He was inaugurated on January 20th and by May that year, we were in a recession. Of course, they won't admit it. Treasury Secretary um, Yellen said, oh yeah, but this this inflation that we have, it's transitory. Oh, we're going to phase out of it. Nobody's phased out of any bad stuff economically here. Nobody has. It's not good. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. And then Joe Biden goes out, he did the world tour, and he's had bunches of meetings. He's been up talking about Bidenomics, which is the curse of this administration for the American people, Bidenomics. Well, over the weekend, it was finally acknowledged the worm is turning. Democrats have begun to distance themselves from Bidenomics. And swing voters are calling it a jumbled Mess, Bidenomics. Some Democrats, including members of the White House, reportedly said over the weekend they're beginning to sour on the term Bidenomics. The president, others in his administration, coined that term, and they were doing it to promote the idea that their policies were improving the U.S. economy. What in the heck they were pointing to to justify that, I haven't seen. I'm sure you probably haven't either. However, some Democrats have suggested now that the branding may be doing more harm than it is doing good. Whoever came up with the slogan, Bidenomics, should be fired. One Democratic strategist told NBC News, of course, that strategist was anonymous. (laughs) It's probably the worst messaging you could ever imagine. Here's two more anonymousists, two people familiar with the White House discussions They said the president was initially reluctant to reclaim it to promote a growing economy worrying it could backfire. Yeah, like it's not true. (laughs) James Clyburn, who pretty much is the elder uh, statesman for Democrat minorities, he admitted this about Bidenomics. I don't like it. The people that he stands for don't deal with economics, Clyburn said. They deal with day-to-day issues. They've got to educate their children, feed their families, develop their communities. That doesn't sound like Bidenomics. One focus group from the research firm Engageus had a swing voter refer to Bidenomics as a jumbled mess that was really hard to even explain. Democrat pollster Celinda Lake She said this, originally I would have said we didn't repeat it enough. I would have said we weren't visible enough out there. I would have said we didn't put enough advertising out there about Bidenomics. But we've done all of that, and it still isn't working. One recent Fox News poll found that 62% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy. Only 37 approved. 25-point difference. However, top administration officials like White House Press Secretary KJP, Corinne Jean-Pierre, and Kamala continue. They're touting Bidenomics every day, insisting it's working for ordinary Americans. If you're an ordinary American that Bidenomics is working for you, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. I don't have mine up. I don't see anybody with their hand up. During an economic address in Chicago in June, that seems like it was yesterday, (laughs) Biden attempted to redefine Bidenomics as another word for the American dream. Maybe the American nightmare, but not the American dream. Bidenomics is just another way of saying restore the American dream because it worked before. It's rooted in what we've always worked best in this country, investing in America, investing in Americans. Because we invest in our people, we strengthen the middle class, Biden said. We know how Democrats operate. They stand hand in hand all the time with their fellow Democrats. They, in one mind, with one accord, when they are dealing with anything politically, they do it in unity. But a bunch of Democrats in leadership are very concerned that binomics is simply not a media-friendly term and it is not taking hold because it doesn't represent what it is being told it does. It's just not sexy for the media to cover or simple enough for voters to digest, especially if they don't see or feel it. That's from a former Jill Biden press secretary, Michael LaRosa. Bidenomics is toast. In fact, big news came out over the over the weekend about the polls in those very critical swing states. There are six of those. In five of the six, Donald Trump soundly tramples Joe Biden. When the question is asked, who do you support to turn around your economy, Joe Biden or former President Trump? Trump is up in every one of those six swing states but one, and he's up enough to be outside the margin of error. In other words, these people in these states, they're sick and tired of all this mess, and they want somebody that can make it work and, oh, by the way, Donald Trump made the economy work for every American. And it started immediately when he became president. And if he had had support from Congress, he would have, have gotten so many other things done. Although everything he promised in this campaign that he was going to do for the American people, he either got it done or the only reason he didn't get it done was because Congress would have had to support him And there wasn't support for those things. And in every one of those, right now, Republicans wish they had agreed with him. If they had done that, he may not have been kicked to the curb and not given a second term. Bidenomics. We're going to remember Bidenomics for a lot of years. Real quickly, I want to go back and mention something about our military issues. You do know When Barack Obama and Joe Biden ran the administration for those eight years, they pilfered almost all of our strategic oil reserves that had been for a long time, kept underground across the nation to be used only for the American people in times of crisis, things like hurricanes, storms, floods, whatever, to be able to make sure that we had enough energy sources to take care of people on a temporary basis. Trump came back into office, refilled the strategic oil preserves when, uh, at that time, oil was at about $45 a barrel, 95 now. Joe Biden sold almost all of it. And he was trying to raise his economic numbers to make himself look good. He sold it. Much of it was sold to China, of all places. Everything that comes down to dollars and cents that we need for our nation right now have been misused by the Biden administration. Let me give you a perfect example of it. The U.S. is at risk of depleting large amounts of its ammunition stockpiles we're struggling to arm Israel, Ukraine, and other allies against increased aggression. And when we give all this stuff out to these countries, we're supposed to replace it. We're not going out and buying it and giving it to Ukraine or Israel. We're giving them stuff that we already have. And we're supposed to replenish it, right? We don't have enough 155 million um 155 caliber millimeter. I was right the first time. 155 ammunition. We don't have enough for us. We stored 300,000 rounds of 155 millimeter artillery ammo in Israel, but we moved half of that to Europe in January. Why? Support Ukraine's defense against Russian. It has since returned the rounds to Israel. However, following... The October 7th Hamas terrorist attacks, Israel's subsequent declaration of war, it's gone. Quote, as for 155 ammo, what had happened prior to the October 7th Hamas terrorist attack is some had been withdrawn from the war reserve stockpile in Israel to replenish U.S. stocks in Europe. Much of that has been redirected and provided to the Israel defense forces for their use. The back and forth has caused some confusion about our strategic trior- priorities. Various experts and pundits saying conflicting views as to whether Israel or Ukraine would be more negatively affected by this move. One retired U.S. Army Reserve Lieutenant Colonel Anthony Schaefer said that the move demonstrated the Biden folks are unable to provide support to Israel because of the Ukraine aid. The U.S. raided its stock of weapons to support Ukraine earlier this year. Much of the military stock the U.S. would have provided to the Israelis regarding the offensive just isn't there. Conversely, some media outlets have insisted the transfer of these rounds, 155-millimeter rounds from Ukraine to Israel, will instead harm Ukraine and help Russia in its attempted conquest of the nation. Ukrainian officials, however, say that both arguments are wrong. Current wartime situation in Israel and Ukraine are different. The two powers require quite different military capabilities. Oksana Markorova, Ukraine's ambassador to the U.S., said, We don't see anything that would raise concerns about it. The biggest concern is how to find additional weapons and everything else. The delivery of the previously announced packages goes as planned. I'm not a military expert, she said, but even from the public discussions, it looks like we need different capabilities from what Israel needs. This is exactly what Donald Trump and his military leaders found when they took control after Barack and Joe left office for eight years. We had no munitions. We had no military weaponry or things, bullets, musicians to use within them. We were down to never seen before levels when Barack and Joe left office. So what did Trump do? He had to put it on high gear, and the Pentagon went crazy and got us back up to safety levels to the just-in-case level that we need to live in. We're nowhere near that now. You're hearing all of this on TNN Live. How many people in China and Russia and Turkey and Iraq and Iran are hearing those same things? We just sent $6 billion to Iran. What do you think they're doing with that money? Oh, we're supposed to be using it only for humanitarian aid. But we can't stop it. It's sitting in a bank account in Qatar, we're told. Qatar, Qatar, however you want to pronounce it. And by the way, they pronounce it both ways over there. I was there recently. Checked it out. Anyway, they all know where we are in this. We're in trouble. If somebody has the chutzpah to just go ahead and attack us, we're going to be in big-time trouble. We really are. So we're entering a real election cycle coming up. One year from yesterday, we'll be voting in the 2024 presidential race. What does that mean? That means we've really got to put it in high gear to make sure our elections are free and fair and legal. Oh, there's no cheating. There's no election cheating around the nation. Well... I beg to differ
7: Words election fraud have been thrown around way too many times in the past few years without any serious evidence to back up those claims. But tonight, an election for mayor has just been thrown out by a judge who concluded that fraud did impact a recent vote and ordered a new election. And it was based on absentee ballots happened in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where a state superior court judge has just ordered a new election between incumbent mayor Joe Gannum and his mayoral primary opponent, John Gomez, after Gomez successfully argued that he was the victim of absentee ballot fraud. Stunning video put out by the Gomez campaign appeared to show a Bridgeport city employee and local Democratic Party official walking up to a Dropbox box in the early hours of the morning of September 5th and making multiple deposits of absentee ballots. You can see a woman who the Gomez campaign identifies as Bridgeport City Hall employee Wanda jeter Patiki walking up to the drop box and placing multiple ballots inside. And a few seconds later, she comes back, does it again. The Gomez campaign posted this on social media as part of a three-minute compilation showing irregularities in the vote. That woman was questioned during a court hearing challenging the election results and pleaded the fifth.
6: Were you paid for any of your work on the Gannon campaign?
7: And it wasn't just her. The Gomez campaign played in court nine different people making 24 drops of apparently multiple ballots into absentee ballot boxes. In his ruling, Connecticut State Superior Court Judge William Clark said he found the evidence from the Gomez campaign credible, said there was enough evidence to call the entire election into question. Quote, in this case, there is evidence of partisans taking possession and harvesting ballots to engage in bulk drops of the absentee ballots into drop boxes. The number of ballots at issue when considering the corroborating evidence of the video and documentary evidence brings the reliability of the primary into serious doubt. Judge Clark has ordered the two sides and city election officials to come together on a new date for a revote by November 17th. But there's all sorts of details there. This is a wild story. Let's bring in Bill Bloss. He is the attorney for Bridgeport mayoral candidate John Gomez. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. All right. So first of all, just take us through what happened and, and what the judge has found here.
6: Well, this was a, probably the clearest case of ballot harvesting that I, I think has been proven, really, in the United States. There was repeated video but around 20 different uh, instances of campaign officials or other or others uh, dropping multiple multiple absentee ballots into the drop boxes in a couple of locations. Clearly, under Connecticut law, these were people that were not entitled legally to possess absentee ballots there was pretty strong evidence that the, there was a coordinated effort to try to collect absentee ballots from voters uh and of course under under our law they're not supposed to do that they're supposed to the this is basically uh, absentee ballots are supposed to have the same sanctity as the voting booth and then just as you couldn't bring in one of these people into the voting booth you you shouldn't be handing them their, their your absentee ballot yeah but uh it it was a it was a pretty jarring case and the video judge clark called it shocking I think uh I think most people would share that.
7: So so what happens now? I mean there's going to be an election on the 7th of November, right? With the yes. the current mayor's name on the ballot, correct?
6: Correct. And also uh the my uh, John Gomes, my client is also going to be on the ballot on a minor party line on the independent party line. So it, this this is a, the alternative, there are several alternatives that could happen here. Uh, if, if, uh, if John Gomes wins on Tuesday, then the case is over. If uh, Mayor Ganem wins on Tuesday, then there would be a new primary sometime, uh, probably in December, I would guess, and then a new election uh, sometime in January, if, uh, if uh, Gomes wins the primary. So it's a complicated, it's not an ideal situation by any stretch of the imagination, but it's, uh, it is a situation that is caused by massive absentee ballot uh, misconduct. It, that's that's the reason we're here. That's the reason we're in this situation.
0: Wait a minute. I thought there was no voter fraud in America. Democrats and their media minions, they've been screaming that from high heaven for decades. There is none. So you just heard that one. Another little Mistake or two, the state election board in Georgia has referred 35 cases of election law violations to the attorney general or local district attorneys for criminal prosecution. 35. 35. Associated Press looked for 2020 voter fraud in six states and found 475 cases of voter fraud. That's from the Associated Press. Not a real conservative news outlet, don't you think? 475 cases. So how many more are there that we don't know about? And because of the stifling of anybody that questions the results of the 22 or the 20 elections, if you do it, you're an election denier. They put you in the class as Donald Trump. Oh, my gosh. Look, it it, it boils down to this. Do you know the nation that has the safest election process? The number one on the planet, the safest election way it's operated. Afghanistan. What do you mean? There's no way that's possible. (laughs) Here's how it works. You go to your neighborhood voting booth on voting day. You go there. They, you prove who you are. They have ways that they know each other, yada, yada, yada. They hand you a paper ballot. You fill it out. You hand it to somebody, and two people sign off on it and put it in an election box. Well, that's simple enough, but they're not through yet. They take your right index finger and dip it into a bottle of permanent ink blue ink. What's the purpose for that? Well, you'll show everybody you've already voted once, and that means you can't go vote again. And it's one person, one vote. There's no mail-in balloting. You vote in person. Well, we've got all kinds of reasons why that'll never work. We have people that can't physically get out, but we want them to have their vote cast or whatever. Novel idea. We, the taxpayers, provide transportation for people in the millions every month. Wheelchair carriers, back and forth to hospital. We even have transportation for people that can't afford to to get their kids to school every day. This is the United States of America. Don't you think we can figure it out? If it's so important, and it is important, but when you hear people on the other side of the aisle screaming and hollering, there is no voter fraud, there is no voter fraud, and you can diminish the 2000 Mule documentary all you want to. I saw it with my own eyes. The same guys, night after night after night in Philadelphia and Atlanta, coming to the same voter drop boxes with bundles of mail-in ballots, sticking them in these mail-in boxes. You can't convince me there is not massive voter fraud in this nation. And you're not going to humiliate me by calling me an election denier. Call me whatever you want to. I know that it's happening. Well, Trump, they filed all these lawsuits and none of them, none of them showed any voter fraud. None of them. We fought we, he filed 12 suits. None of them did. That's a lie. They never got opened to be considered in a courtroom. Two of them did. And in both of those two cases, there was voter fraud. Media won't even talk about those two. They talk about the other 10. Well, what about the other 10? Each of the courts where those 10 were filed, when they had a hearing, the judges kicked those lawsuits out of court. They were never put on the docket. There was never any Evidence that was looked for, it never got to that point because the people who filed the suits didn't have jurisdiction that gave them the legal right to even file those lawsuits. Nothing was ever done. But you don't hear about those things. All you hear about is what the left media want us to hear. Mike Johnson, new House speaker, has accused Biden of bribery. Used the word. And now, real impeachment, going from an inquiry to an impeachment, is in Mike Johnson's hands. House Republicans are approaching their Biden impeachment inquiry with renewed vigor this week after what their leader, Mike Johnson, said. He's cautioned, against rushing an investigation from the very beginning of this, even as he's previously accused the president of bribery. He stressed a reserved approach to impeachment, invoking the founders and calling it the heaviest power that we have. But as a prominent voice of the House Judiciary Committee, he was very vocal in criticizing Biden, at one point saying bribery is what happened here. Now, are you here to tell us something big news about it, Dan? I just want you to know it's picking up steam. Meanwhile, the new House Speaker is embracing a deficit fight, setting up a battle over Medicare and Social Security. There's a lot going on in that area, folks, and it's very critical that we watch it closely. Mike Johnson, our friend, lives here in Northwest Louisiana. We have not been in touch to discuss getting back on the show. He's obviously been very, very busy. But we're going to get to him and get some answers. And that's going to wrap today's TNN Live. Thank you for being here. Thank you for starting your week with us this week and every week. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., right here. Wish I knew
5: what was going wrong Seems so very long Since we left together It's no good to be all alone When you've hurt a friend And you both feel empty And then